Welcome to season two of The Unfamiliar Shift with Ariella, the Boutique Lifestyle Leaders Association's hospitality show. This is a podcast about the boutique hospitality community and how its top industry executives and leaders stay up to date on the best innovative trends in boutique hotels all around the world. Each season, I bring my favorite visionaries to candidly discuss new philosophies, ideas, and innovations in the hospitality industry, primarily the boutique community. I'm excited to share with you some of my intimate conversations with these extraordinary leaders as we navigate the unfamiliar shift of boutique hospitality. This episode is sponsored by Solanus, the property management solution for boutique hotels. Hello, listeners. Today, we're venturing into the unique and curated world of boutique hotels with none other than Peter Twachman, the driving force behind Lark Hotels. As the CEO of this distinctive collection, Peter has redefined what it means to experience bespoke hospitality. Lark Hotels, known for its vibrant properties that embrace local culture and style, stand as a testament to Peter's vision of creating memorable, immersive stays. With locations dotting some of the most sought-after destinations, each Lark Hotel is a haven of individuality, innovation, and intimacy. From coastal retreats to urban hideaways, under Peter's stewardship, Lark Hotels has emerged as a beacon of genuine boutique and exceptional guest experiences. Join us as we delve deep into the journey, aspirations, and the behind-the-scenes magic of Lark Hotels with the visionary himself, Peter Twachman. Get ready for an enlightening chat that's sure to inspire your next getaway. Hello, and welcome back to The Unfamiliar Shift. Today, I'm joined by Peter Twachman, CEO of Lark Hotels. Welcome, Peter. Oh, great. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yay. I'm so, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say I'm a little bit jealous because you're in Maine, and it's my dream <laughs> to be in New England in September. So lucky you. I just wanted to uh, put that out there. <laughs> thank you. No, uh, happy, always happy to be in Maine, and if you ever want to fulfill that dream, please come up and see. <laughs> Say hi, or over, or wherever you might be. (laughs) So that's where you live. You live in Maine? I do. Yeah, it's been home for about three decades now. Wow. And then where is Lark Hotels based? So our our office is based in Amesbury, Massachusetts. It's actually moving to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. But it's Mm. really sort of a holding ground. Our offices are our properties. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's let's just get into it. I want to... Okay. So we have Lark Hotels, which... I'm a huge fan and I adore Rob um, and what he what he's built. And then I think, you know, since you've come on board, I've also seen how Lark Hotels is just expanding in such a beautiful way. And we'll get into that. But give us like the 360 bird's eye perspective of the company and the structure. So 360, we are um, we are a brand company. Um, so we have Lark Hotels design driven mm-hmm. uh purpose-built locations, high destination, high barrier markets. Uh, we've, we've spun off a couple of brands under those, uh, one called AWOL, Flying Tiger, mm-hmm. and then also Bluebird Hotels. We're also a management company, so we manage mm-hmm. all of our assets that are within our brand, whether we have ownership in them or not. Um, and then we third-party manage as well. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the high-level bird's-eye view of Lark. Okay, interesting. And then you just started recently, like a few years ago, getting into third-party management, right? We did. You know, interesting enough, we we thought about it from a few different ways. So Mm -hmm. COVID was a a wonderful time in many ways. It Mm -hmm. it allowed us to, within that sort of month of shutdown, it really allowed us to say, 
what, what do we want to do and, and how mm-hmm. do we, it's, this might sound strange, but how do we take advantage of the opportunity in yeah, front of us? Of course. And so we thought about third party from a few different ways. Mm-hmm. One, to be able to put a pin on a map, learn that area, um, create owner relations, banking relations, development relations. Mm-hmm. And so that third party also allowed us to, uh, to, to foster and build our management company mm-hmm. um, and then to get that geographical sort of understanding and awareness in markets that we have yet to learn mm-hmm. and then use that as a vehicle to drive and build our brand presence. Mm. And so how many properties in total with Lark? 55 now. Uh, really? Oh, I didn't know in that. Our pipeline that should all come on. Wow. Yes. So we're in 16 states now. We've had, since 2020, we were 21 properties, 55 now. So we've seen some, some growth over the last three and a half years. You've seen some growth. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Yeah. And so, do yeah, you know, it's been, it's been quite a ride. How many out of those 55, how many do you own and operate? And how many um, are you just a third party manager? Yeah, so Lark doesn't own anything, but when we say own, um, uh, uh, we have some we have interest, whether it's small, large, yeah. controlling. But Lark, as a company, doesn't own anything. Okay. Um, um, but under the Lark flag, if you will, or one of our brands, mm-hmm. twenty six, and the other are twenty nine, mm-hmm. third party, sort of non branded with us, they fly their own independent flag. Got it. Interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. So, um, and now I want to get into scaling because I think. I really loved how Lark has been scaling the business. And I don't say that a lot. Like, you don't hear me say, I love how you grew very quickly. Um, but can you, how how do you scale while keeping the integrity of the mission, of the people, and really the ethos in general? How can you scale? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, I would say initially, and the first thing, it's just wildly imperative that a, that a group has and keeps um, keeps a guiding compass, mm. which is truly the core of what they do and what has gotten them to the place that they're already at so that they mm. have the opportunity to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's key. And then foundationally, um, is the business is the business sound? Is it solid? Is it tight? Do the departments work independently mm-hmm. and, and, and interdependently? Mm-hmm. And most importantly, um, the people. Do we have good people yeah. who are pushed the right way, who feel valued, who mm-hmm. feel heard, and who really have the opportunity to do their best work? And so mm-hmm. foundation, I think, is the, the, the key to scale. And, and, and until those pieces are are tight, um, it only uh, uh, it only allows for better scaling, but also it makes the scaling really difficult. And so, whether you're moving from five to ten, it's mm-hmm. just as tricky. You move ten to twenty, it's just as hard. Twenty to forty, certainly a little more complexity, um, or twenty to fifty-five in this case, uh, certainly some complexity and some lessons learned along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the foundation is really the key components: um, people, and then systems and process. Mm. Now let's get. I want to get into operations now too. What is the current operational landscape for independent boutique hotels today? So when you say operational landscape, do you mean how do they run or how are they sort of yeah. in market? No, how, how are they running now that's kind of like evolved over the last few years? Like what are you seeing today? Well, definitely a few things in market. One, when we think about sort of the landscape uh, of where they are, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, operators have become more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mom and pop, and I don't mean any negative by that. I think that mm-hmm. there's been great independence that have sort of grown out from mom and pops. Much more institutional owners and investors are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, and, and also, you know, if you think about 10 years ago, if you were slightly better or had just a better design or um, did something to disrupt market a little bit, you could garner some attention because there's less sophistication in market. Mm. Um, big players are coming into sort of mm-hmm. our sort of small world as well. And so the competition within the boutique market and those groups and individuals that are doing really good work in part has saturated the market, yeah. which only makes, I think, it, it, it more challenging to continue to be yes. – a, a good disruptor as you move forward, mm-hmm. which keeps action and attention and eyes on you. Um, mm-hmm. And then within that, still remaining and keeping your core your core business while you're trying to grow and develop and move beyond sort of the walls that we're in. Mm. You know, it's funny. It's interesting what you were saying with the big chains. I've had so many conversations with more of the mom and actually the mom and pop type of hotels. And I'm like, I just want you to know probably the CEO of Marriott is looking at what you're doing because of mm-hmm. it's and it's just so interesting to think that and I'm also very positive of it too um it is getting very saturated it has become an actual in my opinion an issue and so something mm-hmm. that I'm trying to share with big chains because I think you know my own journey was like I was kind of shaming them. I was like, you're not boutique and you never will be. But I've kind of changed it and be like, and now I say the word, you're boutique inspired. Like you were inspired by boutique hotels and you're creating something similar. And so I've been using, I've been trained. That's right. Changing my language. It's not, it's not the same. And I think that what's really sort of different there is that I believe many times larger groups try to prescribe Mm -hmm. what the stay and the service and the people should be doing yeah and it still doesn't feel it doesn't feel authentic and i think that what's key about that boutique operator is allowing each individual unit to feel its own sense of place Mm. Uh, and for me that's one of the biggest and most sort of defining points of that and now a word from our sponsor Solanus is an intuitive property management system powered by a business intelligence engine, offering the hospitality industry a single robust solution for managing hotels, resorts, vacation rentals, and corporate housing. Its ease of use, streamlined onboarding, and 24-7 support make it the preferred PMS solution. Headquartered in San Diego, Solanus is the vision of hospitality experts and technologists who believe it is time for a new era in property management. Ready to discover how they can work with you to elevate your property? Visit solanis.com to get started. And now back to the show. I think, you know, the big chains I think have been really trying to have more lenient contracts, like with autograph collection. Like I think it started as this really incredible idea that I actually fully supported. I think down Mm -hmm. the road, it's kind of just gone back to what, you know, a brand is under a big chain. Um, so I do, and they're kind of just like onboarding anyone that's like paying them, I think, in a way. Um, that's right. <laughs> the thing, the trick is to ha- figure out how to have, have them pay us. Yeah. Uh, and in part, really, if, if we can use their distribution channels while keeping our, keeping control of our independence. Yeah. I think that's the, 
the leverage between the two. Um, it's true. And there's they a tried. Road there somewhere. Yeah, they. Yeah. I think they've tried doing that, and then down the road they're like, no, 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 no. We've like we've given up too much control, and I think it's like a control power play thing that I just don't think when you grow to be that big, I just don't think it actually works. I, it's, you know, it's too far removed. It's that's way right. too far that's removed. Right. Um, but that's really what keeps us so special, right? It exactly. Keeps us in the antique world and keeps us agile and creative and pivoting. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to be a wrecking ball, but we can constantly moving back and forth on the line to say, "What's next? How do we adjust?" Yep. Because we're still nimble and able to do those things, and I think that's really kind of one of the the core and sort of pieces at the heart of boutique. Yes. The ability to adjust operations mm-hmm. for the success of the people in front of us. Oh, that's yes, interesting. And team. Yes, absolutely. And that's there's like a place. So with so I was talking with Sims and -hmm. we were talking about the scarcity mindset and we're like, no, like we're not really into like the whole super competitive mindset and that there's room for everyone. And I kind of just want to bring that into our conversation, Peter, when it comes to like the Marriott Hilton's is that if you're listening and you own (laughs) Marriott Hilton Accor and Ennismore, which is part of that. um, Yeah. There's a place for everyone, but I think that we need to respect the true essence of boutique and allow the independent boutiques to flourish because we all have a place within the hospitality industry. Let's just respect each other instead of instead of like trying to just copy and like take over everything. Um, there's room for everyone. <laughs> that's I think that's correct. And on the boutique side, you know, I think we need to to, to that point. We need to appreciate. That mm-hmm. sort of the, the value of the big chains, because yes. also because they are large and uh, and maybe can't be sort of as finite in service levels and other pieces and specifics that we want to look at and be able to pivot through. Mm-hmm. We actually have a lot more autonomy and freedom, uh, and mm-hmm. so I relish in that space. And I think yeah. we're lucky to not be so large that we can't we can't pivot and move and, and change our course. Mm-hmm. as we see fit to change it versus being told how to change it. Yep, exactly. It's, you know, and for some people, that's not the road that they want to go down, you know? And mm-hmm. I think we've gotten to a point where it's like, to be relevant, you have to be a boutique hotel. And that's not true. That is not true. That is just for a very specific type of guest and also a career journey that you are choosing to go down because it is it is pretty quite different than if you want to go down more of the generic hospitality uh-huh. road. <laughs> Arlo, that's fascinating you say that. You know, uh, I have the pleasure of, of, of interviewing, obviously, many people who have gone through sort of uh, chain side, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not a dirty word. No. And then on the boutique side. Um, uh, and many of the people who kind of come from that chain side tend to come up and through a lane. Yes. And mm-hmm. so they know their lane really well and they're an mm-hmm. expert in that lane. Mm-hmm. But the ability to cross over interdepartmentally yeah. and work cross-departmentally from a team perspective mm. is, has always been sort of the challenge as That's we think about how to bring people into our, our group. Mm. And many times they struggle to get into that place. Mm-hmm. And in particular, they struggle to be vulnerable. Um, Interesting. Because they've had to be protective. And in our group, mm. uh, one of the things we try to do is break you down, right? Yeah. See, to see how much you might, and I don't mean how much you might expose yourself. Yeah. And I don't mean you know, open up the shirt exposing, but <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Can you be honest, right, about yeah. what you're good at? Yes. What you're not good at? Mm-hmm. Um, and can you can you give more than just an answer that is sort of superficial? And so I dig in with people to get them there. And if they can't get there, I let them know again why I'm asking this. Mm-hmm. And if they can't, 
we make a decision right there that they're not the right fit and we're probably not the right fit for them. Yep. But if you can get to that place, mm-hmm. you then then start to really work on a level of trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when you can give real feedback and people look for that type of feedback. You can be direct. You mm-hmm. can be honest. Yep. You can be forthright. Always kind, always respectful. Mm-hmm. But you can get much further with people because they've actually allowed them themselves to have a place of that in that in that trust as well. Um, it's not for everybody. It's no, really not. it's not for everybody, um, and that's okay um, too. I, I, that's, and that's okay. Yeah, and that's okay. That's right. um, yeah, I think also with boutique that we need to like because I and I told you I'm guilty of this too, where I'm like shaming if you're like not independent boutique, and it's like no, we all have our own place. But you said something that made me think of my own journey you said the word like vulnerable like like kind of like tear you down to really like take off the mask and yes i don't know if rob told you this but like last year's owners conference that was the first time that i had brought that into our events and i didn't say i'm gonna like tear you down but i was like i kind of did a little bit Uh and it was so funny because we got so many good reviews from like the people who are, were are like a perfect match to who we want to come. And then the few mm-hmm. that were like, like hated it were like the people that I knew were going to hate it because it's just like, that's not, it's like beyond their comfort level. But it's I've, a com- complete place of discomfort for them. Totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so just, you got to kind of like discomfort if you want to be part of BLLA now, because, you know, this is an extent, like I'm an entrepreneur with my mom and, these events are my own extension of who I am. And I've gotten to a point where I can't create events if they're not impactful. Like I've decided to like exit that game a little bit where I'm like, okay, we're just going to do the same thing every year because it's going to make XYZ in revenue. And I was like, I can't do it because it drains me. Like I want to make an impact on their lives professionally in the industry to grow and to actually have like a circle of influence that they're growing through our events. But anywho, you made me think of that because there were like a few reviews. And I was like, yeah, well, we weren't a match. There was like one guy who was like, no one wanted to talk to me. Um, You know, I kept trying to sell my product and give them all these brochures and they wouldn't take it. And I was like, yeah, because I saw you in their face, like screaming (laughs) at them basically (laughs) to like do the demo. And I was like, our people, like our community likes organic relationship building, you know? That's right. <laughs> so it was funny. It's an interesting. Topic. I think it's great that you, that you're, you're, you're looking at what you do and taking value from that. Um, mm-hmm. I know personally, I don't want to show up somewhere if I'm not going to be pushed and have my head parted the right way and, and, and actually get to, I mean, I do my best work when I'm, when I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. And in fact, I, over time, it is harder and harder to find a place of discomfort now. And so mm. I truly seek it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. And I'm actually looking forward to being out there in, yes. in another six weeks to, 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 to be pushed in a place where maybe I am uncomfortable. So, yes. so that's that's great. Oh, I love that. Yay. Okay. I will, we'll, we'll have a good time on stage. So I want to talk about kind of your journey of entering Lark Hotel. So Rob okay. was founder and CEO, right? Mm-hmm. And then he he brought you on board to take over the role of CEO. When would you say, what are the telltale signs for a founder and CEO who's grown this boutique hotel collection to be like, you know what, maybe it's time for me to kind of like transition into another role and hire a CEO? 
Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. Rob and I met now more than a decade ago. And in fact, I think I we, we joke about it. I stalked him on LinkedIn. I, and that was just, you know, he had just a couple of hotels then. And I was, he was getting a lot of buzz. And I was just curious about what he was doing. And mm-hmm. when I met, I just instantly, we jived really well. I loved his, his presence and his vibe and his creativity and his energy. And, mm-hmm. um, and so we were early on competitors and colleagues. I ran another group. Uh, became good friends. And so over time, we talked a lot about working together, but there just wasn't enough size and scale on his end yet. And so, um, and then that, that happened about four years ago. But I think to answer that question a little more specifically, mm-hmm. um, I, ultimately, I just think that there comes a point where where they can't do it all. And many times the visionaries are not thinking about the foundational aspects that are needed to scale the business. Um, so I think one can see the signs, attrition, frustration, impact on performance. Um, and really, and ultimately, I think that the founder needs to decide uh, what they're good at mm-hmm. and are they better at driving the vision, the purpose side of the business, or are they focused on the core concepts of the business um, and the long-term sort of viable side of it. And so I think Rob, as he thought about that, he recognized that uh, – it just isn't his strength. Yeah. He's not the person to run the company. Uh, mm. He's the person to help uh, guide and, and push sort of the, the ethos and, and, and larger larger vision of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he needed somebody else to get the rest of the pieces right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the founder needs to say, what am I good at? What am I not? And... Uh, and I'm, am I capable of both? Um, and I think that's a question they should ask fairly early hmm. because they can go, grow too fast uh, or lose or not sort of yep. get the pieces that they need internally uh, to really sort of keep it going. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredible advice is at the beginning is knowing at where you're yeah, at the beginning. So I know a lot of our listeners have just opened boutique hotels or like are about to break ground or are looking for partners. Listen to this because I think not even just hotel owners, any type of entrepreneur is knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at at the beginning. And I think the first year you're going to learn a lot like that. Maybe what I've also when I've spoken to hoteliers is like that first year is like everything. That's what you really learn, what you're good at and what you're really not <laughs> good at. That's right. And then they need to look for somebody that really compliments them. Yeah. Right. I think that I compliment Rob and he compliments me. And, um, and this might sound sort of cheesy, but mm-hmm. together we're really sort of one. Um, yeah. uh, and so there has to be, I think, as they, one, start to recognize and answer the question of what they're good at and what they're not. Then the next question is, um, do they want somebody just to run the group or do they want somebody who can uh, really be vulnerable with them, right? Mm. And, and and really dig into the places where the business isn't strong yeah. uh, and not taking into this stuff personally, but really about sort of the longer term aspects of where we want to be, sort of that strategic growth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I think that relationship piece is really key, yes, particularly in the boutique world, right? Small business in general everything um relationships are everything so i want to end on this question which is what advice do you have for the operators out there listening about building incredible relationships with the owners 
Uh, <laughs> it's always a good question. I, I, I think um, I think one of the key things when you're thinking about relationships is <clears throat> is one choose well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> know the type of people you want to work with uh, yeah. and do they share the same values as you it's a long term or should be a long term relationship um, so be genuine collaborative mm -hmm. honest and transparent interactions um, uh, work with the intention and efficiency mm -hmm. to earn trust if you make mistakes own them yeah. memorialize the correction right but 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 I think that the key is, is I really early on is to decide what type of people you want to work with mm -hmm. and don't deviate from that. Um, mm -hmm. If your goal is only to make money, then then, then work with people who only make money. Mm -hmm. But if you want long-term sustainable assets together uh, and, and make sure the values of your business and your mindset are integrated and shared as well. I think that's the key point. Yes. It, what you're saying also I love hearing you saying this because that's why I believe that personal development is just as important as professional development. And it's for exactly what you're talking about, because if you are not working on that personal development, I think it's really hard to build that's those right. relationships because you're also not working on yourself. And so and there are people out there that I have come across where it's just about the money and that's it. Mm. And then I just know that that's like not in alignment for me, not because there's actually some situations where I'm like, great, because I know this is going to be a short term project. We're in it. A, we're out B. And I know like the length of time. But when you're talking about an owner, right, you, know your, you know, your guardrails. Yes. That's OK. That's yes. right. Yeah. You know, your guardrails in and out. That's yeah. Correct. But with an owner operator, that's a that's a longer term um, type of relationship. And, and if we think about the management of the relationship in, mm -hmm. in boutiques as well, you know, there are owners who want to work with a group. Many might just remove themselves and say, I want nothing to do with it, send a check. Yeah. And, and then on the, the far extreme, there are owners who show up on property a lot and are engaged with the teams. And so really making sure that that shared alignment is there, that, mm -hmm. that's that's why it's so key. Because you might see them a lot or you might not see them at all. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, but to the point of knowing your guardrails, know and understand your guardrails together. Yes. Uh, it just allows for better dialogue. It does. It absolutely does. And and read like a nice personal development book here or there. I can recommend some. What am I reading? I'm reading that Rick Rubin's book. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I don't know what uh, what sort of the basic component of it or, is, or concept there. Okay. So by the way, you're going to be getting an email. It's going to be the official book for the conference. Um, it is. Oh, great. It's a super easy read. It's also beautiful. And it's just his little thoughts about creativity. But it's not like surface level. Like I've seen a lot of, here are my thoughts on creativity. It's very surface level. Well, it's Rick Rubin. So he like gets into the roots of it. And it is the most profound words that for anyone who creates, whether it's a business or art, we're still creating. It just pierces your soul. So we'll be talking about I, it later. I love that. You know, it's interesting to talk about creativity. I uh, uh, many people, when we talk about sort of Rob and my's role, they mm -hmm. talk about Rob as the sort of the creator, right? And mm -hmm. I, and, and he absolutely is, and he's got great, a great mindset and a wonderful creative head. But I think that people also forget that to run operations well and a company mm -hmm. well, there's a different type of creativity there, right? Because yeah. you have to be creative in how you 
think about flow, interaction of people, interaction of guests, right? Mm-hmm. Training, development, getting into the skin as we talked about. And so that's a yeah. whole nother level of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't have to be the one who is design focused while you can still have a wonderfully creative yep. mind. If you're willing to get down to your point about what Ruben talks about mm-hmm. under the skin a little bit with his with his words and thoughts. Oh, my gosh. No, you will. You will love it. And I completely agree with you because I think the creative role I used to think I had a creative role, but I'm actually like a very <laughs> logistics person. But I'm blending the two together and I'm creating through like SOPs and like operational. That's right. <laughs> operational. That's right. Software. You know, it's still creating. Yeah. So this it's is still creative. That's I love correct. that. This yeah. is such a great conversation, Peter. I will see you soon, and we'll continue the conversation. I really look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to the Unfamiliar Shift with Ariella. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Let us know what you think. To learn more about the world of boutique hospitality, be sure to check out our website, bla.org. And thank you to Solanas for sponsoring today's show.